It's the rare environment when we're completely alone, with no one else to consider. Whether it's at home, work, school, or social situations, our choices and actions have a ripple effect, even if we're not aware of it. Sometimes it's easy to fit into the group, and our impact is minimal. Other times, our behavior isn't just a ripple; it's a tsunami, and that's when a challenging conversation might be in our future. Our question this episode: How do we diffuse conflict while staying in community with one another? Welcome to episode twenty-six of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have a terrific listener question to respond to, so I'm going to try to get us as quickly as possible to the conversation. When this question came through, my guest is the first person who came to mind as being ideally suited to offer her perspective. And let me preface this by saying that while the context of the listener question is sports, what she asks about applies in almost any environment where people are expected to respect one another, be accommodating, and collaborate. My guest today is Judy Hisong. Judy is president of Nesso Strategies. Nesso is the Italian word for connection, and connecting strategies is Judy's passion. Her financial background pairs with her athletic mindset and her executive coach training as she partners with professionals for strategic planning, leadership development, executive coaching, team building, and training in conflict and communication skills. Her vision is #WorldDominationForGood as she inspires audiences of all sizes to move the needle on relationships, making sense c e n t s and sense s e n s e. Judy and I kept talking after I stopped the recording, and it was one of those times that I really wish I was still recording. The more we chatted, the more we realized how much there was to explore with the listener question. I'll share a few of those off-the-record thoughts after the on-the-record conversation. So stick with me all the way to the end. Hi, Judy. Welcome to the How Can I Say This podcast. I'm so thrilled to be talking with you. You and I have known each other for. Quite a while, and so it's a delight to welcome you to the conversation. I'm thrilled to be invited. It's so nice to be in conversation with you. We have known each other for many years. I am grateful for that. Time flies. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you, besides the fact that you're awesome, is that I had a listener question that felt like it would be in your wheelhouse. And the reason it's in your wheelhouse is because, in addition to being a leadership coach, you are also an athlete, and I wanted your perspective on this listener's question, and I want to lead into it with a general question: that you are an athlete and a leadership coach with experience on high-performance teams in both settings. And when it comes to communication, what do you believe that athletes do well that leaders in organizational settings can learn from? A、uh, great question. I think the fascinating piece of sport. Is the amount of pressure that we put on our bodies, and if you simply substitute out body for mind,、mm-hmm. you've now taken an athlete into what I call the corporate athlete. And in a lot of ways, the corporate athlete taxes their minds far more than an athlete can possibly tax their bodies. And so that that's kind of a backdrop to it.、Mm-hmm. 
that makes some things a little bit easier in the athletic world. And that is when your body has been fully taxed, you have pauses in natural gaps. So we might call that taking a breath or catching your breath Mm -hmm. uh, when you're training. But it gives you the opportunity to say, let's walk through this. Let's talk about the expectations of this performance, this play, this action. And you can slow down and walk through what in real time you'll be going full speed. So the crossover is there are very few times in the corporate world that we actually do slow the play down because we feel such pressure to keep the ball in the air, to keep going or whatever corporate speak you might want to use. If you think about being in a project, it's not often that you slow down to say, let's really be clear about our intentions here. And and the way I would phrase that is, what's your communication strategy Mm -hmm. for this project? That's not just, oh, we're going to do it and it's going to be awesome, but all of the ways you communicated along the way. So your question is, what do athletes do that leaders could learn from? Well, the first thing is that they're looking ahead. They're always looking ahead. And there's a Wayne Gretzky quote that eludes me at the moment, but it's something like skate to the puck uh, as opposed to waiting for the puck to come to you. And that piece of it alone is something I would love to see happen more in organizations where you're thinking about where are we going and how many people are going to meet us there. And in that sense, I think organizations could benefit a ton. And I call that practice and play Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. in the work that I do. Let's practice and play. And then the other P word that I would add is plan. So let's practice and play, but let's plan. So we know where we're going. And if we did more of that, I think not only would leaders and organizations feel more successful, they would also look around and feel the morale, the culture, the accomplishment ratchet up too. Well, you're making me think about like football players, basketball players, you know, you'd never go out on the field without a game plan. I guess Mm -hmm. there's a reason why there's that expression, right? A game plan. And they would never just go out and say, okay, just do your best or, you know, do what you were trained to do or whatever it is. But I think sometimes organizations don't take that same level of care and projecting forward and planning in the same way. I think they plan, but it's, it's, uh, I think it's just a little different. (laughs) It definitely is. And I'll I'll speak to it directly. My sport is volleyball. Mm -hmm. And before we play a match, I mean, as we progress through any tournament and we get closer to the finals, we have different levels of dialogue. You know, in the initial few matches, it's let's get our feet under us, let's get ready, let's play our game, you know, those kinds of things you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. But as, as we start to go through the day and we get more cohesive as the team, then we start looking and saying, okay, we've got to be prepared for this and we've got to be prepared for that, which is a skill set we have, but just not one we may call on consistently because we haven't played a team where we needed it. Mm -hmm. I would liken this to leaders needing to call on their ability to handle unusual challenges in a project or conflict, Mm -hmm. which almost always shows up somewhere, but most often gets not addressed. I'll say it that Yes, (laughs) (laughs) that's a very tactful way of putting it. What do you see as the either uh, compare and contrast the way conflict is dealt with in an athletic situation, you know, on game day, for instance, versus in a professional office environment? Well, there's definitely some of the same, which is we're in the middle of this match. And I don't know why the two of you 
aren't seeing eye to eye, but we can't do that right now, which happens all the time in the corporate mm-hmm. setting. And if you watch a lot of sports, yeah. you can see this unfold and often turns into a loss for the team because it's not addressed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there are very few times when that conflict on the court in the middle of that match is the first time it's ever happened. Yeah, good point. You and I both know that most of the time that conflict happened sometime earlier than now. Mm-hmm. And it's just showing up when the pressure's yeah, on. Great point. So athletes, they have to, because I, I think of um, anything, whether it's a volleyball match or a basketball game or tennis match, if you've got a conflict in the moment, you have to move through it. Like you said, I think if you don't address it mm-hmm. in some way, you will lose. Yeah. What do you know about how they're able to move through it that could be useful to a leader in a corporate setting? I think of things like setting aside ego or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. What comes into play? Well, let's be clear about the stakes for a second, right? So at this point in my life, I play highly competitive, mm-hmm. what we affectionately call old lady volleyball, right? <laughs> so I'm still playing with people who have a ton of skill. They were Olympic level caliber athletes in their day and now not so much. When I started playing professionally, Winning or losing was a paycheck or not a paycheck. It was eating or not eating. You know, it was mm-hmm. ramen noodles or actual um, real noodles. <laughs> and yes. So it, it had very high stakes to it. And when the stakes are that high, having the conversation felt much more important and much more risky. And it was really pausing in the moment of training to say, hold on, how are we going to handle this if it comes up in a match? Mm-hmm. Because handling that tension of a missed opportunity, you know, think about the Super Bowl, a lot of, a lot of pressure on the players yeah. in that particular game. And somebody misses a play. You can see how it's handled by the rest of their players to know how they've been approaching it through the season. Mm-hmm. And in very real terms, and I know not everybody watches that game, if you see somebody make a mistake and nobody goes over to them to say anything, the chances of them making another mistake just went up. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So you ask about the contrast. There's a big contrast in the level of trust Mm -hmm. because I have to trust my teammate. I cannot win by myself. When I go into the corporate environment, I don't have to trust a teammate because I literally can make that whole project happen myself. And so what is the benefit then of trusting, taking that risk? Yes, all of the benefit of creative thought that happens. Look, no matter how bright I think I am or how creative I think I am, I'm much more so when I'm collaborating. Mm -hmm. And if I can think about all of the things that are on my mind and put them on a flip chart around a certain project, somebody else does the same thing and they're not the same. Yeah. And so the economies of scale around creativity are exponential when we get clear and inclusive. Mm -hmm. But in this way, it means setting ground rules about how we allow everybody to contribute. Yeah. I love that you point out that how we respond under pressure is telling others about how we respond when we're not under pressure. Yes. It tells a story about the health of the relationships and the communication and the culture we are kind of, you know, the weakest link, I guess, is what is our worst under pressure? And how can we notice that? And instead of just discounting it, because it's like, oh, we're under pressure, of course, we would blow up or, you know, whatever bad behavior is happening. 
it's easy to kind of scapegoat the pressure instead of saying, oh, if we were doing something in advance, if we were tending to this when the stakes weren't as high, what might that change about it when we are actually under pressure? And there's the proactivity. Yeah. And that, that steers us away from the message of, oh, that's just how Judy is. Right. There's that too. Exactly. Well, let's apply some of what we've been talking about here to this question from our listener. And I'm going to read the question uh, just to give everybody some context. And then uh, let's dive in and see what we can offer them. Okay. So the person wrote in and they asked to be anonymous. And they said, I was wondering if maybe you had some advice on a conflict situation we're experiencing in our sports club in Germany. We are all very passionate about our sports, but recently our good atmosphere has deteriorated. One of our members, I'll call them Anton, is already somewhat older, and he is increasingly disturbing the other players due to his cum- clumsiness. I, I, I was clumsy with the word clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... This has gotten to the point where another member, Berta, threatened to not train with us anymore if Anton does, and she is very aggressive towards him. Mm. Anton seems oblivious to the fact that his clumsiness is annoying almost everyone else in the club. At the same time, he is very offended at Berta's behavior and refuses to talk to her. The listener goes on to write, All of this seems somewhat childish, and I believe one solution could be to make Anton understand that he is indeed very clumsy and should be a bit more careful during training, while Berta needs to understand that mobbing less able players is unacceptable. Do you have any suggestions on how to go about such a conversation and how to resolve this conflict? Wow. I know there's a lot there. And and as we get ready to dive into it, I do want to say this is all the information that we have. And as Judy and I take a stab at this, we we might hit the mark on some things and not on others, you know, by having only kind of a sliver of the situation. So uh, both the listener that submitted this as well as everyone else that's listening, you know, bear with us and bear that in mind as we talk about this and, and see what we can do. So with that, I want to ask you, Judy, what are your first thoughts on this? Well, my very first thought is that we have to remember that there's cultural context mm-hmm. That you know, you and I are talking in the U.S., and this is a uh, situation in Germany. Um, we have in this country a very different relationship to um, to physicality, to athletics in general, than other countries do. And when we use the word sports club, in my mind, we're talking about something that's very social and also very physical. Mm-hmm. And so we might have a dynamic where Berta is coming in to be very physical. She's there for the activity portion of it. And Anton may be coming in for the social. I mean, there's some implication that he's an older person. And so he may be more interested in the social. Again, these are all assumptions that actually could be the other way around. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But assume that there are two or more than that, but two reasons in our discussion today for folks to show up. And imagine if you're the person who just comes in for the social and somebody really wants to be physical. No, no, let's just run. No, let's just go. It it may be doesn't feel very good and vice versa. So I think that's the first place that I go with Mm -hmm. it to be mindful about what the framework is and maybe check in on that in your conversations with each of them about their purpose in being there. Yeah. And that might steer the rest of that conversation in one way or another. Mm -hmm. 
might give you more insight. Yeah, you are、um, reminding us to let go of assumptions about what someone is, what their intention is for participating in an activity. Yeah, and that just because I have one intention doesn't mean that you share that. And sometimes those intentions are at odds with each other.、Mm-hmm. And I'll go back to your earlier question of me, which is about athletes and organizations. And really, there's a, an expectation that's quite clear when we're all there as athletes. That, you know, there's quite clear that everybody comes to play and win.、Mm-hmm. And when we translate that into a different setting, the expectation may not be as clear. Yeah. So the assumption does get dangerous. Yeah. Absolutely, and one of the first places my mind went was around、um, assume best intent. Speaking of assumptions,、mm. you know, like the listener says, to make Anton understand, he is indeed very clumsy. He doesn't seem to know that that is happening. And so, if we assume best intent, then we can assume he's not doing this to annoy other people. He's not trying to get in anyone's way. He might just not know, you know, not it, however he's acting. He might not consider that clumsy, whereas somebody else does. And so,、um, if you go into it at least assume best intent that there's nothing malicious behind his behavior, that can help with that intention conversation even more. And, and even to ask, I, I don't know, you know, if he's a little older and he's got some clumsiness, is there some other underlying issue? Is there something else that needs to be addressed? Right. Just looking at a. Physical, practical level, you know, maybe he's、uh, a little bit weaker. And does he work with a trainer? And does that, you know, do you talk to that trainer and say, do you know what might be going on, or do you have the trainer talk to him?、Mm-hmm. It seems like there are different ways you can approach that. Sure, and I'll I'll speak to it the other way. I was working, <laughs> was facilitating a group dialogue recently, and one of the participants had a shirt on that said "pre-stained." <laughs> and they all knew each other; they'd been together for a long time, and it took about an hour before. This person had spilled some tea on themselves, and everybody laughed. And the person said, "Look, I'm already wearing my pre-stained shirt, so this was expected." <laughs> so, what a great story! So, there, there are just people who have less about themselves. And I would check in, you know, speaking of checking in, I would check in on how present he is, because、mm-hmm. sometimes clumsiness comes with not being present. Yeah, maybe he's intimidated in this setting. Yeah. Good question. No, look around and see a bunch of people who are much more able-bodied can be intimidating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know it. It is for me, and I can appear not with it, I guess, or not quite part of the group in some way, and and that makes me think of sort of rules that are spoken and unspoken、mm-hmm. that are often at play in environments like this,、mm-hmm. and that might be another point of curiosity to say what are some of the norms. That we have been practicing, that have been unspoken, that perhaps Anton is not familiar with, or Berta. You know, we've been focusing on Anton, but it sounds like Berta is misbehaving a bit in all of this by being aggressive、mm-hmm. towards Anton.、Mm-hmm. There is something about what is it that you're expecting from your experience here,、mm-hmm. in in the way in which you might have that conversation. It could be starting with clearing up. Um, the unspoken rules. You know, I think about、uh, again in the U.S. If I go to the gym and I'm、mm-hmm. lifting weights, the assumption is I'll put the weights back on the rack.、Mm-hmm. So that's unspoken. Nobody told me that. I just know that. Just I don't even know how I know that. So、yeah. there might be things that, because I've been doing this forever, that I would assume everybody should know. And you might show up at the gym and be like, "Why are you doing that?" <laughs> I、yeah. don't even know what to do there. Yeah, exactly.、So. 
And that brings me to another thought, which was around as you're having this conversation, probably with both Berta and Anton, to be specific with your requests. If there's some behavior change or you know action change that you want to see, it's not uh, you know don't be so clumsy or be more careful. It's more specific, and and in order to do that, you have to start with observable behaviors, yeah, as opposed to layering in assumptions and biases and and other things that that come into play when we we think we're just observing, but we're really interpreting. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really lovely, Beth. That's that's really great. I would add in that my two cents on it, and I'm sure this is my athletic background speaking, that I, I want to hear what you want, not what you don't want. Uh, right? So yeah. the coach calls timeout. There's you know, two seconds left. We need to execute a play. The last thing I want to hear from the coach is don't foul. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I mean, you know, don't get a penalty. Like that's not that that's planting the wrong seed in my brain. Exactly. Your brain just hears penalty or foul. Correct. Yes. So clumsy. You just made clumsy my go-to mm-hmm. activity. Yeah. And and it, you know, really to have the conversation to talk about what you do want. Yeah. Nice. And talk about the layers. I think it's also important to have uh, a small piece. What's one small success? that you could observe mm-hmm. yeah. and commend for each of these two. Exactly. What can you appreciate? Because otherwise, it would be easiest to just say, one of you can't be here anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, yep. You know, if you can't play well with others, then you need to go somewhere else. And I get the sense that is not the culture of this particular sports club, mm-hmm. and that they want to be able to accommodate people at different levels. And so to honor that, you know, how can you bring that up? to those folks and reinforce that particular norm and culture. And if I can be so bold as to extrapolate that out into an organization anywhere and say, how many times do you feel like if that person stays, I'm leaving or vice versa? Mm-hmm. You know, people don't quit organizations, they quit leaders. Mm-hmm. So if you think about how you generate followership, it's in this observable behavior, it's in this setting aside the potential for bias or the bias and building the relationship very authentically by having some of the more difficult conversations like these two are going to get to have with your listener. Yeah, definitely. And I would say I'll also offer for the person who's having the conversation with Anton and Berta, do it privately, obviously, Mm -hmm. away from the workout floor or where the sports folks are hanging out. And it's okay to be, you know, a little bit vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Just the question shows that this person is sensitive to how it's going to be received, and and they might feel a little bit of anxiety about having the conversation. And I'm always of the mind that it's okay to express a little bit of that, to say, I've had to think a while about how to bring this up because I want to be mindful of our friendship or mindful of the value that you contribute to this club or whatever it might be, you know, to go ahead and express that maybe you have a little bit of anxiety or nervousness about bringing it up and that you're offering it in the spirit of creating a better atmosphere for everyone in that you have their best interests at heart, that you want them to feel good about coming there. Mm -hmm. And that's why it has to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my sense in listening to the story is this is very much the culture, the climate of this facility is very family oriented. Mm -hmm. You know, we all fit together in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. And then leading with your values 
as an organization in your vulnerability is a really great way to have the conversation. Yeah. You know, what attracted you to being part of our sports club was hopefully these values. Yeah. So as we look to maintain these values, we have to have conversations with folks from time to time that we want to do very carefully and with a lot of concern. And that brings me to the conversation today. Yeah. Well said. Yes. Anything else to offer our, our listener in closing? Oh, I think you you made some great points about time away from the standard. And to the extent you might recognize that one of these two is more competitive than another, mm-hmm. you might want to time that so that they either know to plan for more time in the facility that day or otherwise give them heads up mm-hmm. um, yeah. for that extra yeah. commitment of time. Yes. And it's not really the clock that I'm measuring. It's the energy mm-hmm. because this isn't going to be a particularly easy conversation. And so if you say, hey, you know, when you come in tomorrow, save an extra 30 minutes. I, I really want to talk to you about something. It gives me the opportunity to plan yeah. to have conversation. Yeah. If I'm a competitive person, I'm not planning on doing that. Right. You're looking at your watch and out of here. And you don't want to get me in competitive mode. Right. Fight or flight? No. Yeah, right. Well, when the way I would say that is when I'm competing, I'm competing to win. Yeah, yeah. When I go to work out, I'm I'm not working out against anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to do how many I can do in 30 seconds or, you know, how much weight can I lift or it doesn't matter. It's the competition. Yeah in that space. And then you want to have a meaningful conversation with me. I'm still in my mindset of competition. Exactly. That might be tricky. Yeah. That, thank you for yeah expanding on that because all of a sudden it clicked with me that you're talking about like that mind space and uh-huh. the mindset that you're in when you walk in the door and that if you just start talking about something that is more relational as opposed to competitive, it might throw somebody for a loop and it's going to make the conversation that much more challenging. Mm-hmm. So set yourself up for success yes. by doing that heads up. Yes. Great. Judy, I knew you were going to have some wonderful insights for that. Thank you so much. My pleasure. If people want to learn more about you and your work, your coaching and services, where can they find you? Nessostrategies.com. And that's N-E-S-S-O, Nesso. Excellent. And I have a twice a month newsletter you could sign up for on that site. Sometimes getting Beth on there when I can coax her into an article or two. <laughs> yeah, occasionally. Um, and that would be great. I'd love to have more of you growing your leadership skills. Awesome. Thank you so much, Judy. And I will make sure that there's a link to that on the episode webpage. Terrific. And uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And thank you so much for offering your wisdom and experience and, and unique perspective to our listener question. And I hope everyone has walked away with both insights, whether they are into sports or into the corporate environment. You know, it applies across a lot of different scenarios. So thank you again, Judy. Thank you, Beth. Take care. Before I offer some closing thoughts and your call to action, I invite you to visit the episode webpage at HowCanIsayThis.com. From there, you can access past episodes, subscribe, or offer feedback. You'll also find information about leaving a review for the show. It only takes a few minutes to do that, and by taking that really tiny extra step, you're helping others to find the podcast and thereby benefit from it. As you experienced in this episode, an occasional feature of the podcast is responding to listener questions about conflict, communication, connection, and relationship building. I welcome your questions for inclusion in a future episode. You'll find the online submission form and other instructions at howcanisaythis.com. 
In the next couple of episodes, we're going to be responding to a question about how to handle situations when your authority and expertise isn't being respected, among other topics. If it has to do with sticky communication situations, send your questions our way. I'm pleased to be welcoming some really wonderful guests this month, including Matt Creven of Talk Shop, Laurie Helgo, author of Fragile Bully, and leadership coach Karen Lee. Now for a couple of those after I stopped the recording insights. Judy and I started talking about the fact that there are at least three people involved in this situation. And for simplicity's sake, as I talk about this, I'm going to call our anonymous listener Molly. So we have three people, Molly, Anton, and Berta. Whenever there are three actors, there's a risk of triangulation. That means that Anton complains to Molly, Berta complains to Molly, but Anton and Berta do not speak to one another. They each think Molly is going to take care of it for them by talking to the other person. We realized that that's probably not the situation here, but we thought it was worth mentioning because the ingredients for a possible triangulation are there. We also wanted to bring in that idea because it's a frequent occurrence in the workplace. Whenever possible, it's important that the two people having the issue talk directly to one another. It's totally okay to have a third party present to facilitate if that helps. That third party could be a mediator if the situation is particularly difficult or charged, or anyone who could create a safe space and act as a neutral observer. I would say the last resort for that third party is likely to be someone from HR or um, the boss, because then that might compromise safety. It might compromise the ability for people to freely express themselves, and it might be perceived as a threat. So um, be very mindful about who you choose as that third person. Judy and I also started wondering if Molly had observed these behaviors from Anton and Berta firsthand, or if this was information being passed along by other club members or from Anton and Berta themselves. In order to assess the best course of action in these situations, it's important that the person who's trying to resolve the conflict, in this case, Molly, has information based on first-hand observation. Remember that Anton and Berta are not neutral. They have emotion, biases, and assumptions that influence how they tell their story. They only have their perspective. It's a valuable perspective and it's important to supplement it with observable facts. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you might remember a few episodes ago when I shared the ladder of inference tool. Check the page for this episode for a link to that because it's an extremely useful tool in situations like this. Finally, we noticed that there were specific words worth checking into built into Molly's question. And admittedly, we don't know where these words came from. They include clumsy, aggressive, mobbing, and disturbing. Those words imply a judgment of some kind, which means they are loaded with meaning that can put someone on the defensive or lead to misunderstandings. Let's take clumsy for an example. Who assigned that word to Anton's behavior? What did they mean by that word clumsy? Clumsy could mean different things to different people. For instance, I might call someone clumsy if they keep dropping the weights when they try to put them back on the rack. Someone else might call it clumsy if they are noisy when lifting weights and lowering them back into the rests. Aggressive also might mean speaking in a harsh tone to someone. But someone else might consider aggressive to be speaking in a polite but firm way. 
So this is a point that applies to everyone involved in the situation. Notice where you're making judgments about the behavior and when you're assigning potentially loaded words to it, and be ready to define what you mean by those words. Again, it helps to speak in observable terms. That might sound like, Anton, I notice that you're consistently dropping the weights when you go to put them back on the rack, and I'm wondering what's causing that. Instead of simply saying, Anton, you're really clumsy with the weights. Here's your call to action. Notice when you're relying on secondhand information, speculation, or only a single perspective to draw conclusions about a situation. It doesn't matter if it's a potential conflict or not, or even if there's a conversation to be had. Just notice in everyday life when you're making decisions based on incomplete information. This is an essential communication skill that requires practice, and it starts with building your awareness. Whenever you're at a decision point, ask yourself, do I have all the information I need? What could I be missing? Is there another perspective that I should consider? It's a matter of training yourself to see things from a variety of angles and to ask questions before jumping into action. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.